Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Intro. Three, two, one. Hey, podcast world. That's right. You, you, the podcast world, you are with us for another amazing, fabulous, interesting, and um, inspiring yeah. episode of FNO InsureTech. That's some big words in front of FNO like how I just I just put it all out there. I mean, like, you put it at the very top. This is a huge, huge podcast. That's what that's what you just said. Did I really? I think no, so. I, I think you just said that actually. Oh well, it is. Uh, I think it's a fun podcast. I think it's, it's a, a great podcast. It's a it's 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 something new. It's a it's a great podcast where you know we've interviewed and talked to so many founders and so many companies and everything. And, and, and typically somebody has a dream yeah, and an idea and they chase it. And if they make it onto our podcast, it's because they sent us a hundred dollars. <laughs> no, 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 that's not true. That's, that's not lie. true. That's a lie. No, if they make it onto our podcast, it's because they've gained a little traction, at least. Some yeah. some, have, some have gained a ton of a billions of dollars of traction. Some, yeah. uh, um, very little. And here is a st- today's story is one where a, 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 a guy had a dream and an idea, and he chased it off the seat of his pants and is doing pretty good, has, has built something. Yes, he has. He has. So yeah. we have we have Garrett Kurt on today. He's a founder and CEO of One Click Code, and Garrett is going to come on and talk all about what he's done, all about the data that has been collected uh, within the company, and a little bit of an insight into it. It's about codes, codes and permits across the country. Whenever you go to rebuild your home uh, or or do any sort of maintenance to your home, right? There's there's codes. You can't just do whatever you want to. The cities and the counties, they say you can do this or not do it at all. And well, you this have guy, to do this. You have to do this. And Garrett has gone out and he's made it simple for people to learn what these codes are. And he'll tell us why that's so important. Right. Because if you have a permit and you don't follow the code, yep. y- you're, you're not done. You're not done. You might be starting over. That's right. So um, it's really critical. Any contractor will tell you that. Mm-hmm. And um, and we have them right here. And you know what? I had an idea today. Can I share it with you? I'd love it if you did. So I think every podcast, we should call out a person or persons who have been on our mind or crossed our mind or we've been thinking about in the last week. What do you think about that? 
I, I think that's great. I think that's a great idea. Okay. So I have today's. I'll, I'll go first. Well, Do you good, because you kind of put me on the spot. Yeah, I'd love it if you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I know. We haven't had a chance to talk about this. No. But um, uh, do you know who Bo Helms is? Bo Helms. Use it in a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Bo Helms is a man. He's a person. Okay. Anyways, Bo Helms is a terrific guy um, who uh, works for Shelter Insurance and I saw him at PLRB. Oh, okay, yeah. Right? And we had a chance to visit PLRB, and we hadn't seen each other since COVID, right? Yeah. This is one of those people that we always cross paths at industry events. And, of course, there haven't been any industry events since no. the beginning of COVID. And um, we had an opportunity to catch up and see him at PLRB and to hang out and to talk. And he crossed my mind a few days ago, and I thought to myself, you know what? We need to shout out people on our podcast. You know, I wonder like that. why? You want to know why? Because we can. We can. Because we're the editors in chief of this darn thing. We are. And then you can tell them that, hey, I gave you a shout out, and that's one more download. <laughs> and that's one more download, which could get us up to seven or eight. Yeah. Double digits. Uh -huh. Here we come. <laughs> Watch out, double digits. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, we're creeping up on you. Of course, we have oh, to yes. still go to seven, eight, nine yeah. before we get to 10. That's but, right. But um, within the next year, we'll be there. But we're counting on Bo Helms to kind of get us over the top here. Yeah, no pressure, Bo. Truth be told, we've had literally hundreds of thousands of downloads. Yeah. In our in our podcast. little small market of of the world, when you think about insure tech, it is oh so small. Mm -hmm. We got some people listening. Yeah, we have some people listening, and and Bo Helms is one of them. And uh, shout out to Bo Helms. Who will it be next week? It won't be Astrid because Astrid gets shout outs all the time. All the time. I mean, maybe even at the uh, outro, she got one. Who knows? She might get one at the outro. You'll have to listen to the whole podcast to find that out. So without further ado, because there's been a lot of ado here, let's get to our podcast with Garrett Kurt, founder and CEO of One Click Code. Hey, everybody. We're here with our special guest coming to us, I believe, from Colorado. Is that right, Garrett? That is right. Okay. I was just Code in Colorado. Capital of the world. What an amazingly beautiful state. I can't believe how beautiful it is. It, I wake up every day and I'm just so grateful to be here. It's uh, it's beautiful today. It's it's roughly around 75 degrees. You would think it's a slice of heaven. I'm doing things backwards here. So let's get in the right direction. We have with us today, Garrett Kurt, who's the founder and CEO of One Click Code. Welcome to our crazy little podcast. Welcome, Garrett. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate being here today. Sure, sure. We're thrilled to have you. And because you occupy kind of a unique product and niche in the grand world of insure tech and insurance, and we're going to get all into that. So welcome to the podcast. We're thrilled to have you here. Let's jump in and talk about one click. So let's have you start us off today and tell us what the heck is one click code and what do you guys do? Sure. One-click code is something that I came up with, I shouldn't say come up with, that I started to pursue about five, six years ago. One-click code is the, the dream, the vision is to have automated building codes. 
Now, not just automated building codes in the essence of like, I can know ice and water shield, or I know certain components of a, a roof or whatnot, but it's something that we envision to have where we can pull in building codes that are address specific across the United States. And that helps define the scope of work and create a transparency within the claims process that both sides of the aisle, and I would call the contractors on one side and adjusting insurance on the other side, creating a transparency between the two parties and reducing friction. And that is what one click code is all about. And so that's important because like when you talk about codes in one city, certain products might be important to include on the roof. And in another city, they might not. Is that correct? Is that what code regulates? Yep. It regulates the reconstruction process and new construction. But for this purpose, we're looking at the reconstruction process specific to the address based on the jurisdiction that controls that house. Jurisdiction being city government, for example? Yeah. And right there where Gary's going, I think it's even bigger, right? Because he's down to the address codes. Many people think about codes and they think about a city, but it could be, you know, across the street. It could be um, this portion of the town. So, I mean, am I right? And that where you're trying to go, Garrett? Yeah. So when we say address specific, we're thinking about it from city or county. There's also townships, there's boroughs, um, there's sub counties. So we're looking at what municipality, which it could be any of those that controls the reconstruction process. Mm -hmm. And what gets even deeper is that, and this happens across the country, adjusters will go out and they'll see a address and that address has a city name on it. But what people don't know, that's a U.S. postal address that has no identification over who controls that property for reconstruction. Every single property gets assigned a city. Even though it's in the middle of a cornfield in Kansas, it still says the city name and it's not even close to that city, but it still has a city name. And that's where we go to is the jurisdiction having authority. And it's so important to understand that. And if you know that, you can apply the code that's specific to that municipality. Well, I don't understand... What's so hard about that? I mean, wouldn't a roofer just go get that information? What makes it that your service is necessary? The business case is that as a contractor, I know my space. So like I know my construction process. I know things that go on with the building code. However, it changes based on the municipality. So in order to know that municipality, I would have to go and call the county first and say, hey, is this address in your county? Yes. And then I would call the city and I say, is it in your city? They would say yes or no. I would have to go to that level. And then I would have to figure out, okay, fine. You, you've answered those questions. I know where to get my code information. Now I have to go through the whole process of understanding what are the codes that apply to that property specific to that address based on the jurisdiction, which is the, the city codes or, or county codes. And it's not just, just to give some idea to, to our listeners. It's not like five bullet points in an email. Right. I mean, a a code document can be like war and peace, right? It can be extensive, correct? It can be very extensive. Yeah. And there's no photos either. So you, you, you probably (laughs) likes to read either. So there's no pictures. So Uh, we, our vision is to make it as simple as a yes, no answer. Am I supposed to do this or not? And that's not, even if I'm doing the legwork, I have to, as the researcher or as the code expert or as the contractor or as the claims professional, I have to then interpret, do I need to do this or not? No one's telling me yes or no. So if you're a local roofer 
and I live in Sacramento. So if you're a guy who's working in Sacramento and you're and you're doing roofs in Sacramento every day, all day, week in, week out, this might not be as important as if you were like doing cat work and you're moving around from different municipalities, different places, different states, et cetera. Is that correct? The level of importance is not as important. Um, mm -hmm. It's definitely way more helpful when you're dealing with multiple counties and cities in a market. Mm-hmm. And how often do codes change? I bet almost never, right? So they do change and it's, 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 it's interesting. We're tracking it. So we, we track over 20,000 cities and counties. Wow. So I know it's, it's quite a bit. And the, the question is, does it change on the regular? And it can, and it depends. So some cities are still on stuff from 2009 and 2012. Some are at the today's level of 2021. How did they get there? They could have changed every single year to get to 2021, um, or they just haven't changed at all. So we do track the changes. Um, we do that information, but do they? Some of them change more than others, and some of them they don't have a rhyme or reason. It just depends on who's in charge at the at the local level that is uh, dictating when those get adopted. So I, I would like to turn a little bit and say, why are codes in, important to the insurance industry? Why, why are the people listening uh, to this podcast? You know, what do they care, right? Why do they need to know about this? So I, I'm going to I'll, I'll kind of lay this out and maybe give you a little story to go with it. Um, Please. So my background, I don't think I got into that. So just my background, is I've been in the insurance restoration industry for 14 years. I've been an adjuster, a contractor, an appraiser, and I've done probably about 700 appraisals, dispute resolution, mm -hmm. and it all comes down to price. But price is what we see on the surface. The scope of work is really where it comes down to. You know, Xactimate does a great job of giving us pricing. Sinbilly does it too, but really it's about the scope of work. And so what code does is it's, it's a scope of work. It determines that. So if I have to do something because the code requires it on this address, it is an increase it's an increased cost, but it really is an increased scope of work. And that's material and labor. And then you have to calculate how much of it. So like, I do need to add it. But then the question is, how much do I need to add? And there's a quantity. So there's a calculation component. So there's, and that goes into scope of work. And so why is code important? It's because it's a driver of overall costs, which is severity on the claim side and profit potentially to the contractor side. But it really comes down to it's driving the scope of work, which comes to an ability to come to an agreed price. I think that's a great story right there, right? I mean, isn't that really what, what we have to do? We have to make sure that, that the insurance company is repairing exactly what they need to repair. Since you were talking about your, you know, how long you've been in the business. So how did you get from being contractor, adjuster, appraisal guy to one, one click? I, I mean, I, I will give it, I'll give credit to my always constant curiosity of improvement. Like my background is logistics. I'm always trying to figure out how to improve processes and figure out how to get to point Z, not to point B, but point Z faster. And so I actually fell into the construction side. I, my first experience on construction for insurance was, it was called Hurricane Ike. It was back in 2008. Hey. Um, that was my first taste. I don't know if you guys were part of Hurricane Ike or not. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that was Houston, Texas. It was, it was, it was quite the adventure. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, there were steep roofs. I can tell you this. I did not like being on steep roofs and I did not like being in the heat. So I was motivated to figure out how can we automate processes. And I was curious of that. And through that, it kind of led me down the path of like, well, 
how can I help automate the estimation process? Well, there's things in the way. How can I better understand the construction process? Well, we can do this. And ultimately, I got into the being a contractor, wanting to be an adjuster because I'm like, well, I want to understand that side of the business. And I love that side. And then I saw that there was this opportunity, like the, that there was a dispute between contractors. I would say, you know, pricing. There was a dispute. And the re- resolution process was something that I'd never heard of. And I'm like, why can't I be part of that? And so I decided to explore that. And actually, I got really deep into that space where I would travel across the country doing appraisal work, both on residential and commercial. And I got it really, it really, um, it, it filled my cup. Like it really got me to the point where I could meet individuals that were super talented, what they did. They're passionate about trying to come to resolution. And, um, it really gave me some insight that I otherwise never would have had. So that led me into like, well, why can't I take all this information, all this experience I've had over the last 12 years you know, this is this is four years ago. Why couldn't I take that and try to create a process that allows the entire industry to be elevated? How can I extend the knowledge that I've had, the experiences that I've had, and put that into an application that allows others to be able to access that immediately um, and, and really elevate the industry as a whole? How is it going? You know, I first met you back in, I would say, 2019, we were talking you know, how is it, how has it gone? I mean, is the uh, adoption going well or people using the app? Yeah, we started off um, with, you know, maybe a couple hundred users and just a local area of like, I think we were, when we were talking, we were just in Colorado and maybe a little right. bit of Missouri. Yeah. We are now nationwide. We have roughly around 5,000 addresses that are generated every single month. Um, we have carriers that are being onboarded as we speak. Um, we have over a thousand contracting companies that currently use us. So we're being adopted on both sides. And in the past week, this is May right now, in the past two weeks, I've had conversations with 10 insurance companies that have just come out of the woodwork and said, hey, we've seen your product and we want to learn more about it. And we want to figure out how to put this into our workflow. And it's oh, just, wow. it's, it's mind blowing. I mean, I was on, you are the fifth call today from insurance companies, if you count this as an insurance conversation, fifth call today. So what are they doing? How are they adding that into their workflow? can be as simple as we have this really cool platform that's app-based. So you can go to a, a website or your, I guess it's your Apple or Android. Um, but we also have the ability where we're integrated with Simbility um, and oh, also great. Guidewire. And so depending on you know what level of integration we're looking for, we literally could be, if you sign a contract, we could be used tomorrow on our platform. And if you want automation, it'll give us a little bit of time and we can get integrated through Guidewire or Simbility. I want to talk with you about carriers and, and how you're working with them, but I have a question for you first. I'm doing a roof on 1234 Main Street, right? What's the code? Do you send them the entire thing or do you send them like a bullet point and highlights? Do you say you got to do this, 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 and this, and this, or you're not in code? That's an awesome question because I, I sometimes have been in this so long for four years, I forget what we actually accomplished. And that is that we literally take a book that is, you know, a novel, War and Peace, like you said, and we make it into actionable data. And it's just a yes, no answer. And it's on one page. And so what we send, we request an address, or I should say the address is entered. It's bifurcated by residential or commercial. And within six seconds, you are aggregate the data and have a PDF report back in your hands that answers your commonly asked questions about how to treat that roof and what to include or what not to include. Yes, no answers. We make it so simple that it's actually being used in the adjusting world as part of the, the claims process of training adjusters as well. Okay. So let's talk about carriers. I 
I mean, this is 100% easy to understand why a woof, roofing contractor, not a woofing contractor, <laughs> a roofing contractor. Oh, there's a lot of woofing contractors. Come on now. But the, why they would need it, because, I mean, you know, they're moving around, they're working in diff different jurisdictions, and, and they need the answers to these things. But talk about why it's important to a carrier. Let's just use the use case of a catastrophe. Let's go with hail. Um, there's a, a large amount of claims that are filed. They're bringing independent adjusters. They're bringing in staff. They're bringing in a mixture of maybe some branch local that are not used to this. They're coming from out of state. It's how do you create processes that allows adjusters to be able to write estimates consistently underneath their guidelines. And with that comes in the building code. And what we provide, or I should say what is provided by research and accurate research is the ability to then streamline that in terms of creating accurate and defensible estimates that ultimately the carrier would like to have. And when I say accurate, it's not an underpayment, overpayment. It's exactly what is supposed to be paid. Um, we prevent the ability for potentially over-researching and thinking something should be required when it's not. We mm -hmm. call that leakage. Um, you know, that when you don't have to pay for something when it otherwise could be. And then the other side is that, you know, if it's under, if it's not being included, there's the possibility that, um, that ultimately that the, the carrier would have a backend where they're, they're dealing with the supplemental process and there could be more than one or two touch points afterwards because it wasn't included on the, on the front side. And what we want to do is streamline that process, um, and, and help streamline that process. You know, there is such a cost to the supplemental process. And then also, you know, going back to what you were saying about out, out of state, out of town adjusters coming in, I have been an adjuster sitting in a room and have gone over the PowerPoints where they talk about the codes and they're super, com you know, complex. They're complicated. The way it was presented back in the day was, well, if they do this, then we do this. Or if they're here, they do this. But to have a yes, no, right? Do we do this shingle? Do we not? Do we do ice water shield? Do we not? It would it would be so helpful. Uh, I, I am interested. Where, where is the data found? And I assume you bring it into a database. But is it mm -hmm. is it all online, or is, are there are there paper copies? I assume some rural Kansas maybe has paper that you have to deal with. I, I don't know. So it's quite the process. So twenty. So we've been at this for four years, and we had to create our own software. So the software that you see that you use is different than the software that we internally use. We had to create a whole entire data collection software because there was nothing out there that would help us. Um, in doing that, um, we also are not able to. You know, we've had technology. Very smart people come up and say, "Well, you can just scrape." the websites. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, there's 17,000 cities and counties or 20,000. So that'd be 20,000 scraping. But then I said, but here's the caveat. Most municipalities don't update their website. Mm. So if they don't update their website, what are you supposed to do? Right. And it goes back then, to, then you're wrong. Then they're wrong. wrong. And then we're wrong. Then you're wrong. And it's, I can't just say like, well, the website says this, like, well, we don't care what the website says. What does the actual law, the code say? And so we resort to the old fashioned way, which is manual, manual wow. processes. So we're doing the manual calling. We're doing the manual emailing and we're getting written documentation back from cities and counties. And part of our reports includes that writing. So it's not just us saying it. We actually have the document attached to that PDF that's from that city and county that says this is the code. I have a couple questions for you in that regard. So do you have a bunch of elves sitting around in in Colorado somewhere, little code elves 
That, yeah. you know, they call them code ninjas. You know, they, code, they're more no, of a ninja than they are an elf. Yeah, I'd rather be a code ninja than a code elf. Yeah, we yeah. Uh, we do have a team. We have a team of seven data researchers and, and analysts that work for us. We're actually expanding that team as we speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they do not work in Denver. They work remotely. Okay. So, because one of the problems you could have is, is that they could, I, and I'll just play this out in my head, they reach out to City X and they get the documents and City X has a board of supervisors meeting that night and they change the code. I mean, I don't know that it happens, you know, every week or that frequently. However, how do you know that there's been a change? That would seem to me to be a critical thing for you to know, right? Yeah. How do you become aware of that? Well, we, it's, it's, I would say it's all AI. No, I'm (laughs) I'm kidding. No, that would be an easy... (laughs) That'd be we nice. have our secret that, sauce. That's a great is, answer. <laughs> our secret sauce is really going back to the old fashioned way for the time being. We are establishing these relationships. And with that relationship, we also are asking, hey, you know, this is something simple. Like, are you changing your codes in the next three months? What's interesting about cities and counties is that they move slow. So they usually plan out in ahead of time when they're going to be changing. So we do get a little bit of grace in that we we probably will know they'll be changing their building codes within three to five months um, when we call. So we don't call just once a year. We're calling on a regular, but we're also asking, hey, are you going to be changing your codes in the next two months, three months? And they're like, no. And then we call on the third month and we're like, hey, did you change your codes? And sometimes they say yes, but most times they say no, we haven't, we ha- we're still in the process of reviewing the documents of what we want to uh-huh. change and we'll get back. You can follow up with us in three months and we'll let you know that the, the effective date, when that will be. Here's a, something that's been on my mind since, since we started researching you and that's liability. If you guys are sending out a thing that says yes and no, yes or no to different attributes or work, work streams that are needed or materials that are required. And you put a yes where there should have been a no or vice versa. You're li- isn't that a liability for you all? It could potentially be a liability depending on how, how, how the information is used. Um, what we resort to is that we have been communicating with those cities and counties. We have written documentation that we're basing it on. So we're really transposing what they say into the document. We're also mm-hmm. utilizing the code itself. The code is a really thick book, right? As we talk about just for the residential and we're quoting that book. And if we're quoting it, technically that's the law that's adopted for that city and county. So we're, we're, re, we're, we're asking the city official to make sure that that law is correct. And then we're quoting the law that they're referencing. So with that, I was just thinking, you know, kind of moving on past the actual liability here. There is this huge play in the, in the insurer tech right now for data, you know, and, uh, and, and data is so important. I'm just wondering, is there a way to, to package up your data with others and to partner and, and to create a solution that's out there? I, I don't know. I just, I just throw that out there. What do you think about that? I full heartedly believe that's possible. I think, you know, my pursuit over the last, you know, five, six years is trying to figure out how to automate the estimation process. Yeah, and code is it? Code is, in my opinion, code was the missing data set to allow that to happen. Yeah, and I don't think anyone's really sat and thought about like the implications of code. Maybe this is the first time they're having a hearing on this. But I've been thinking about this for so long, 
and I, I can take aerial measurements and I could take in, you know, weather analytics, say from a, a good friend of mine um, at, at Canopy, and we can figure out ways to partner together to create automation um, and, and an actual tool that allows for, you know, like a, a solution. So let's talk about the journey uh, a little bit more. So you're thinking about this, you figure it out. You're just a guy, right? Are, are you a technologist yourself? I became one after I was writing checks every day or every week for it. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not a tech guy by training. Um, just share with us a little bit about how you got from that epiphany moment to here. Ultimately, what I'm trying to do is really elevate the industry across the board. It was it was actually an interesting point about four years ago. I was um, one of my friends had passed, and 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 then we were talking about like you know like before that like what would be what are the things you regret in your life that you didn't get a chance to do? And it's like you know spending more time with family, spending more time with people that are important to you, and time just kept on coming up. And time is one of the most valuable things. And I look back at my years of working as a contractor and adjuster and spending so much time on trying to figure out building codes and estimation, and I'm like. I am going to be determined to figure out how to automate this process because time is super important, not just to me, to everybody. And I want to be able to extend that into the industry. And that's kind of like what was kind of like the, the passion behind it. And that's what got me up at 6am that, you know, I stayed up till 10pm at night figuring this out. And code is not a simple thing. No one's done this. And there's a reason no one's done this. It's, it's complicated. It's not fun. It's not sexy. But I, I realized it was a data set that was needed to be obtained, and I was bound and determined to figure it out. And I had a lot of sleepless nights. I had a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes that cost a lot of money, meaning like we went down the wrong path. But ultimately, yeah. we got to a point where I look back now, and I'm like, I'm so glad that I had that epiphany. And I realized that time was one of the most valuable things in my life. And I, I'm glad that I am where I am today. Because now that I have this data set is, is purely invaluable in terms of what I believe is possible for the industry. At the end of the day, isn't that the, the value, the actual data set? I mean, having all of that data, that's really where this value comes in, I would think. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the, right now it's a data data set, data play. Um, yeah. We want to be able to make it actionable, at least on the claim side. But yeah. It is the data right now that allows and empowers others. Right now, it's empowering adjusters and claims professionals, but it could be empowering other tools and other solutions to be able to make better decisions too. Have municipalities reached out to you and said, hey, is there something we can do together? Can you help us, work with us, anything like that? Not exactly that. They do. Okay. If you call them, you'll be able to hear them sometimes say, "Is like, hey, I know you have questions about building codes. We're sick of answering these questions because I know there's a storm. You go to one click code, they answer the questions for you. So we actually have municipalities referring contractors and adjusters to our product nice. as well. They would nice. call that a network effect, right? A network effect mm -hmm. would be the, the more that people use it, the, the better it is. And we're having multiple sides of this industry being able to promote the use of the product. That's great. So tell us about the uh, pricing model. How, how do uh, you make money on this thing? So we make money. Um, <laughs> we, we charge by transaction. I think that okay. it's, a, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty standard um, amongst as a, as a report. So give us an address. We'll send you back data um, that it's in a, it's a nice detailed PDF report 
With that, though, you also get access to our platform where we have tools to say, help you calculate the amount of ice and water shield, help you calculate how much additional ventilation would be needed on this on this property if it was required. And waste factor, shingle waste factor is a big deal. Um, I know a lot of people have taken a stab at that. Um, we believe that our uh, the way that we do it is is the most accurate way. So as part of using our transactional buying a report from us, you get access to our free tools um, that helps with the process. So not only do we tell you what you should do, meaning add ice and water, but we help you calculate that, which then can be implemented through the claims process amongst other adjusters. And we care about the number of adjusters, but we don't charge you by the number of adjusters. I see. So do you have IA companies that are doing business with you? We have a couple IA firms that are doing business with us. Um, we have others that have talked to us that are waiting mm -hmm. for approval from mm -hmm. the um, the gatekeepers, I would, or mm -hmm. however you want to call them, the people that would be saying that, you know, it, yes. it's, it's, a, it's a tool that should be used. Um, a lot of times the IA firms will work for large insurance companies. We're in conversations mm -hmm. with a lot of the insurance companies right now. So once they have the blessing, then the IA firms can use it. What part of the carrier uh, organization is reaching out to you about uh, your your product? Is it underwriting? Is it claims? Is it wh what is it? So we get a mixture. Nothing on underwriting yet. It's primarily on the claims side um, because mm -hmm. contractors are using our product or independent adjusters are using the product. It gets sent over to the the, the claims professional and the insurance company. They see it. They They're like, why it. don't right. why don't we have this tool? They tell their manager. Manager tells the claims, um, uh, maybe manager or or somebody that's above them. But ultimately, who we hear from a lot of times is the um, innovation team, as well yeah. as potentially product owners um, of of on the claims side. And and what can you share with our other insurtechs out there? Uh, what have you learned about dealing with carriers? Triple the amount of time you think it's going to take. <laughs> I love that. I uh, want our audience to know that I did not tell him to say that. Yeah, I, no. I mean, you know, what's interesting though is like there's a lot of, I feel like there's flow involved. Like they can get really excited and it, but they, it comes down to budget planning. So if you're going to get somewhere, get there before July because they're planning for budgets in the, in the fall for 20, you know, the next year. Mm -hmm. Um, I've also learned, this is interesting around PII. This is a cool little thing that I've learned is that around PII, we are only asking for the address. We've been able to get POCs up and running within weeks of initial conversations by amending the NDAs that we signed to include the PII around address as confidential information. Um, that has, has streamlined our ability to have pilots and POCs. Um, that is a huge thing for us because otherwise we're talking about legal and legal is not ready for another two months. And then we have to wait for revisions and we're looking six months before a pilot. And we're like, this is a simple, simple tool. How can we allow you to use it today to see if it's even worth us having a further conversation? So before we go, just, uh, can you share with us anything about, uh, the roadmap and where you guys are going from here and anything that you can? On the roadmap, we are going to be expanding our product line to include tile roofs and metal roofs by the end of the year. We will also be including a permit fee calculator. So this is something that we've we've realized that is, is potential to help streamline the claims up front. And imagine being able to estimate for a roof 
and or any project and being able to calculate the permit costs. We have that in beta currently right now in Colorado. So our users, if you go and type in an address in Colorado, you would be able to use that today. And we're having amazing feedback on that. We're just looking to scale that nationwide. Thus, the additional data collectors or data ninjas that we're, uh, we're hiring. <laughs> or Ninja elves. Elves. Or elves. <laughs> well, listen, it's been great having you. What an interesting business you have. We're really impressed by it. Thank you. We appreciate you. Have yeah, us. yeah. Yeah. And, and your little friends and your little elves that you brought with you today. They're great helpers. I appreciate them here too. I I can tell they have their little elf hats on and please come back again to talk to us. We, we love these kind of homegrown stories. um, And it just goes to show you once again, our industry is so big and so large and has so many ways you talked about logistics before Mm -hmm. that it can improve and move quicker and, and you guys absolutely hit on one of them. So congratulations to you. It's a great story. Agreed. Thank you. Great to have Garrett with us. You met Garrett when he was a, just a guy running around, right? He'd been doing it for a little bit of time. And I was I think I was setting up a podcast booth at the uh, Elevate conference. And mm-hmm. he came up and he was like, hey, I want to tell you about my product. And I was like, you got a great product. And... um yeah, we finally got him on the on the podcast. You know, I love the stories like this where you just have a determined person yeah. who pushes and pushes and pushes and and brings something in. And I mean, now he has a he has a whole company and they're selling to, to all kinds of different uh, entities. It's it's fabulous. Yeah, but if you think about it, I the uh, data set is what's so important, right? That's what he built. He built a big old data set, and I keep thinking about like Hazard Hub right? Who built a big data set. And, and I'm just thinking, I'm like, there you go. I mean, there's power in the data set and there's power in knowing there's so much power right there. And I thought of, I thought of Bob Frady all through the podcast today. Me too. And, and he basically, I mean, it's not, his company is not this simple, but they basically, where's the fire hydrants? Yeah. Where are they? And he made a business out of that. And, a great and, business. And this guy's like, you know what? Every con- reconstruction job is regulated by codes. Yeah. What are they? I think it, I think it's a great business model. An honest to god problem. Yep. Good for it's him. Exciting. Good for him. Thanks um, for being on, Garrett. And good for you for being <laughs> for being with us today. Uh, or maybe you. not, because it basically meant that you had nothing better to do. I think is kind of what it came down to. Or, or they scheduled time on their calendar to listen to the podcast. Or they had nothing better to do. Oh, and well. so for those of you who scheduled time thank you. to be with us, Astrid. Thank you. Thank you, Astrid. For every single other person who, who had their date canceled tonight or stubbed their toe or whatever yeah. it is, we thank you for being with us. And mm-hmm. um, as always... We are most appreciative to you, our audience, and to Al Moya and Alicia Moss for putting this whole thing together, and to Alacrity Solutions Group for being our sponsor and employer. Thank you. And to America for being a great country to live in. And did I leave anything out? And to my wife for putting up with me. Well, that's the biggest. You got any thanks? You got anything you want to throw out there? No, no, I don't have anything. See, Lee's not grateful for anything. Don't worry, everybody. I am. 
So, uh, well, so we'll say well, to you. No, until, I, well, well, I but, better say like thanks to my mom. I think I think my mom's listened to one of these <laughs> once, and so there's a chance she's the only one I know who will listen. And so, yeah. thanks, mom. You might want to tell her to listen to number one hundred and ninety or whatever this yeah, is. Yeah, whatever we're on now. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, so, uh, but we'll say to you what we say every single time. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>